Welcome to the Serious Social podcast, created by the straight-talking social media experts at Immediate Future. Producing copy for social media that is bold and interesting as well as readable and accessible is a challenge. In this week's Serious Social, Belle speaks to Lawrence, the copywriter, and Vanessa, a copy editor, for all the tips and tricks that you need. Hello and welcome to another session of Serious Social Live. Um, today it is a beautiful sunny day, so welcome along to this session. And today we are going to be talking about everything to do with copy on social media. Um, now, to many, it might seem like a really easy job. Um, you just shoot out some copies really quick. And that might be true if you're just writing for yourself. But for many of you guys out there, I know you're going to be brand managers or marketing people inside brands or working for an agency and you're writing for a brand. And that comes with a lot more complexity. So that's what we're going to talk through. And today I am joined by two fantastic guests. I just love having friends around on a Friday. It's my second time of having two guests. I'm loving it. Um, So I'll bring them into the stream now. So first up is Lawrence. Welcome to your first Serious Social Live. Lawrence, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm Lawrence. I work in Immediate Future as an account manager, managing the day-to-day with our clients, which in my case is primarily our B2B client, Fujitsu. Much of my job involves creative ideation and copywriting, all of it short form. So it's a lot of social first copy, which has to be tailored to organic or paid content, and even sometimes to different global territories, depending on what the client requires. Fab. Thank you. And our second guest today, very special guest, um, doesn't work for Immediate Future, is Vanessa. And we've known each other since Friends Reunited was a social channel. And MySpace was frankly just a dream. And she was always smarter than me back then. And she still is. So that's why I've got her on today. (laughs) So Vanessa, do you want to tell us about yourself and what you do? Thank you. That's a lovely intro, even though it makes me sound ancient. Uh, Yes, I'm Vanessa. I started my career teaching English as a foreign language up to university level. But in recent years, I've transitioned into copy editing and proofreading. And I do work for educational publishers, but also businesses. So I edit online training modules, social media content, web content and blog posts as well. And I'm a strong believer in plain English and making sure that your content is as readable and accessible to as many people as possible. Fantastic. We love that. So Lawrence is our kind of writer expert and then Vanessa proofreading editing. So she's going to be checking your work, Lawrence. So watch out. (laughs) Um, So when we were talking a bit about what we could explain today or give some people some top tips and things to take away, um, there are a couple of specialisms that you have, Vanessa, that I think will be really interesting. So there's um, we'll come back to a few of them. So there's things like cultural sensitivity, accessibility. uh, But I think we should start with readability. Do you want to explain a bit about what that means and the plain English bit? Sure. Uh, Plain English is all about writing as clearly and concisely as you can. So it doesn't necessarily mean writing shorter things. It just means making it readable for as many people. And there are actual uh, readability statistics that you can use to help you in your writing. So in the UK, the average reading age is actually only 13. So Writers should be considering that if they're writing for a wide audience, that uh, their content should be at a a simpler level so that more people can understand it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, Also, a lot of websites like gov.uk and local council websites will actually um, write for a target age of eight or nine as well to make it really accessible to as many people as possible. Wow. Um, And that seems so young, but it's, it's actually 
it's just a general population, isn't it? So if you're writing on social, you're going to reach almost anyone unless you're targeted ads. So it's a really important thing. Exactly. And there's been a lot of research into it as well. And uh, text that is more readable and has a reading age of about 13, people tend to think is more authoritative, um, it's more trustworthy, and it's more direct for people. And it's easier for them to understand. And they're more likely to work with you if they can understand what you're offering. Mm, so don't overcomplicate it. No, right, exactly. <laughs> um, and there is a tool, right? We can yes. use to yeah. bring a video on and we can have Thank a quick look while much. you talk. Yeah, in Microsoft Word, there is a tool where you can add readability statistics into your um, work. So in your spelling and grammar section, tick show readability statistics. Then after your work, you've done your work, you run a spelling and grammar check and it'll bring up this screen that you can see in front of you and you can ignore most of it. The most important one is the second last one from the bottom there, the Flesh Kincaid grade level. That's basically showing you what year group, what school year group you're targeting. So for a reading age of 13, you should be targeting a year group of about nine. So it's like year nine in school. And if you're going for a younger reading level, so if you're writing for something like a uh, council or that kind of thing, uh, then what you've got there, four to seven, that's like a year four reading level, which is around, about right for a nine-year-old. Okay. Um, I should point out, this is just an example. That's not how <laughs> <it's right. laughs> Don't at it's me. Great. It means it's, it's accessible for as many people as possible. It's been written clearly, short sentences, not too much jargon, that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's such a difficult thing. I mean, for sure, when we're writing for some of our B2B clients, Lawrence, I'm sure you'll agree, it can be really overcomplicated and really difficult to convey exactly what the message is. So by the time it reaches Vanessa, she's hoping that you've done loads of the work in working out what the key points are and tone of voice and stuff like that. Do you want to tell us a bit about how you go about that? Yeah, so there are loads of easy mistakes that you can make in social, right? And for us, it's we want to constantly be as attention-grabbing, to be bold and thumb-stopping and stand out in the maelstrom of social posts that go out every day. On this, every second, on average, there's around 6,000 tweets that are tweeted on Twitter. That's 500 million tweets a day. So if you're going to stand out to be ahead of the pack, you might need a powerful creative, image with a clear message, or a video that makes someone stop and want to watch. But you want to combine it with copy that is readable, Free of simple mistakes and doesn't, you know, insult entire groups of people, which does happen more often than it should. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think we can probably come up with lots of things that people do without really thinking about how it's going to come across on social. Um, I know you've got a couple of examples that I could share. So I'll bring the first one on and if you can um, have a talk about that. Yeah, it's the wrong thing to say that these are my favorite examples. But there's <laughs> an example from Citibon's Twitter that comes to mind, which is uh, RIP Carrie Fisher. Uh, you'll always have the best buns in the galaxy. You can see there. The implication being Carrie Fisher's hairstyle looked like the cinnamon buns from Cinnabon. That post wasn't well received. I think it's obvious why. Um, but the, the thinking there goes beyond copywriting. That goes to common sense and thinking about where you're going to write before you write it. How is this going to affect my audience? What effect will my words have? I'm also thinking of a U.S. Department of Education tweet I saw. And if, I think we can have an image of that as well, which was actually multiple parts where they were posting a quote and they misspelled the quoted person's name. And then they said, sorry, in a separate tweet, but they had a whole new typo in that one as well, um, which is just a double whammy. That's not great. It's a double uh, whammy, particularly for the Department of Education. It's just uh, I would not want to be the social media person that day, right? <laughs> Vanessa, do you see these kinds of errors a lot when you get copy or is this? Is Definitely. This it's actually amazing how many people don't even run a simple spell check on their documents before they send something out, especially something like this. They're banging out really quickly, um, just 
take the extra minute to think about it, think what you've written, make sure you can, you're okay with it before you hit send. Yeah, absolutely. It is really important to do all of that all of that kind of work up front, isn't it? And some of the things that probably people aren't thinking about that much because of time pressures and, and stuff like that um, is maybe accessibility. So we've talked about the readability part of it, but we also want our copy to be accessible in other ways. Um, one of the ways I was thinking of is the auto readers that you can use. So anyone who has a sight impairment will use those on a website. You, they even exist, um, obviously, in Word documents and things like that can read the document back to you um, but if someone's using it on a social channel you need your copy to be readable through that auto reader for them to understand it and the same counts for hashtags which we were talking about have a, a certain case that they're yeah, called use, um, camel case so in the hashtag each new word that you start with should start with a capital letter and it's called camel case because it's like the humps of the camel mm -hmm. as you go along reading but when yeah. that's read by an automatic reader it will then recognize each word separately if you have it all in lowercase it's just a and it doesn't pick up at all it doesn't no and that's such an easy change to make actually it, it helps everyone read it better but particularly anyone who's using an auto reader so that's certainly something you should be thinking about out there um and so i think accessibility definitely another one maybe cultural sensitivity and that's something i know that you've worked on a bit and, and we certainly have global clients we're writing for global audiences and it is something that maybe we don't get that much time to think about or perhaps we uh, sometimes hope that the client has thought about that in their blog copy first um, but can you tell us a bit more about what that means yeah, sure. Um, I've just come back recently from living in the Middle East and cultural reviewing is a big part of what I, I do because what's appropriate here in the UK is not necessarily appropriate in the Middle East. Things that we wouldn't even think about can be really offensive to different cultures. So it's something important that writers need to think about. Um, and if you are working for a bigger kind of global brand, there are sensitivity readers around who will read specifically for people who have uh, disabilities or particular ethnic groups or, you know, they're, they're looking and making sure that your content's appropriate for, for everyone, really, and you're not going to offend anyone by what you're writing. Mm. And would you suggest that that's normally done before it gets to the point of writing blog copy, uh, social copy about a blog, for example? Uh, yeah, it's something I think everyone should have an awareness of while they're writing. Um, it's quite hard. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, specific training that you can do in that kind of thing, but it's more about being aware of what you say and being aware of current issues in diversity and inclusion. There's a lot of talk about it at the moment. Um, I know certainly in education, but also social media as well, that mm -hmm. it's important just to be, that everyone feels included rather than excluding certain groups. Uh, totally. And it, we definitely come across this when we're talking about tone of voice and how we want to come across um, digitally. And um, so I think Lawrence, you were gonna talk us through some of the planning that we do with clients. Yeah, I have a couple of tips to for approaching a new social post. So the first tip I have is um, the aptly named first thought. So the way we approach content is to start with a first thought. And if anyone was reading this, what is the main thought we want them to walk away with? Once you have that first thought, it informs everything. Your opening sentence, or if it's very specific, your one sentence on your post. Your posts don't have to fit the word count. It can just be a sentence and a link. You know, brevity, quality over quantity, all that good stuff. Once I've cemented the first thought, I move on to tone. Often we are identifying the key messages from an existing asset, like a blog or a white paper or even a video. So the tone on there might be completely different from what the client needs. 
we're working on something now where a blog we're promoting discusses large versus small businesses. And it could be perceived as negative towards larger business dimensions. But we have to strike a more neutral, positive tone in the post copy because our client actually works with that larger business. Mm. So they're trying to present a challenge, maybe, or something that um, their audience, maybe a CTO, CEO, is going to come across a challenge. And we want to say, here is the challenge, but we don't want that to come across in a negative way. Exactly. And, and I'm trying to stay away from naming names, but the, the point is that the tone might actually be at odds with the asset you're promoting because mm. you have less time to get the point across. You have less time to get that challenge so clearly explained. You want to just get the type of tone right that the client needs you to, to put into practice and, or your needs, depending on if you're writing for yourself. Mm-hmm, yes. for, for that, I've got my third tip, which is actually understanding your voice. So voice and tone come from understanding of the client or subject matter or yourself. For us, that comes from initial meetings with the clients. For We, we create entire PowerPoint presentations that drill down to the audience and the tone of voice and talk about avoiding specific words or specific emojis or all emojis. Uh, even a specific certain hashtags that absolutely cannot be used. And if you know your voice, if you know the tone that you're going to strike, and if you combine it with a strong first thought, you can make any copy sing. Mm. It is a challenge, isn't it? Coming up with copy that's going to stand out and be bold and get people's attention and actually also to be social on social. We want people to engage. We don't just want to post a statement and broadcast because otherwise we may as well just just stick a poster on the floor or a wall and there's no you know back and forth engagement whereas that's what social should be so there's definitely a lot of challenge around that but essentially we always want to put all the planning and the prep work in ahead of creating a whole social plan so we do spend hours on that with clients which is something that I think in-house at brands they maybe don't get the chance to do as often or perhaps there is challenges around doing that. Um, so thanks for those tips, really useful. And um, I'm going to come to Vanessa. And Can you give us what are the things that we should be taking away today to help us improve our social copy? Well, I think uh, going back to my old bugbear, the spell check, do make sure that you are checking what you're putting out before you, before you hit send. Um, if you know there's a grammar point or a punctuation point you're really weak on, just spend an hour or two going over that. I get quite often things given to me and I say, oh, sorry, I'm just not sure how to use apostrophes or, you know, it's a quick fix. It's an hour of your time. Consider it CPD, you know, just spend the time and that will make your work more precise and just uh, give it, especially if you're trying to attract new clients, it just makes you look a bit more professional. Mm. Also, if you're checking work yourself, um, Microsoft Word has the really nice read aloud feature and in Apple Pages, it's speech. So you can set it to read your text back to you and it's quite a good way to listen to what you've written and rather than reading it because you quite often hear things that you wouldn't have noticed if you were reading it yourself. I love that feature, but it is weird because there's it a robot, talking, robot to you. <laughs> talking to you. Yes, I know. You just have to get over that. But it is, yeah. it is really useful. And it's also particularly helpful for people with dyslexia because listening to it is a lot. You're going to listen to things and hear things that you wouldn't see if you're checking mm-hmm. your own writing. Um, and then my last tip is the old favorite sleep on it. Like, you know, if you've got the time in your schedule, do leave it. Come back to it the next day and have another look because there's always going to be something that pops out at you. Uh, that you might not have noticed the day before. 
That's yeah. not necessarily from a grammar point of view, but maybe like Lawrence was saying, the tone or the voice, something just might not be quite right. Well, just the amount of times I've, that I've read a piece of text and it's way too complicated and then just sleeping on it and suddenly it's clear as day because your mind has been working on it overnight. It, fresh. it yeah. helps so much. Yeah. yeah, actually, we ran a poll on the LinkedIn event and the, um, the thing that people said they most struggled with was being concise. So I was having a think about how I do this and, and tell me if you agree. Personally, I write everything that I want to say and then I cut it and I cut it and I edit it and I cut it down until it's as as concise as I can possibly be. Um, anyone, have either of you got any other tips about being concise? I, I would suggest having a look at the Plain English Campaign website. There's a lot of tips on there on what you can do and maybe even consider doing some training in it. There's sort of six principles. It's keep your sentences to a manageable length, uh, avoid jargon, um, check your spelling, grammar and punctuation. Use that to help you. I can't remember what the other three are off the top of my head, but we'll it's all on there. Yeah, it's all on there and you can check it. And those are the kind of things you can be thinking about as you're writing. Mine is a bit more uh, brute force. I write down everything that I want to write. So it's usually like 300, 400 words. And then like Bell does, I take out the first thought. I take out what absolutely needs to be in it. And then I try to shorten it by instead of going to, it's just two, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just, that's the nitpicky stuff. Miss out a few words um, here and there, but of course that again has its own challenges with accessibility. Because if it's being used for an auto reader, missing out words can be a bit of a yeah, challenge. Missing out words doesn't necessarily make your meaning more clear. So mm. just making your content shorter does not improve its readability. Sure. Sometimes adding a few extra words will improve readability. Yeah, yeah, and there are things that we can use on social. Like if you take Twitter, for example create a thread instead of just a single post and then you can explain yourself better yeah. <laughs> great oh that was so insightful so useful we've had lots of comments saying thanks for this um great tips and and someone saying they call them humpback hashtags instead of <laughs> um so yeah there's a few different names for them but that's that's a like top tip for people to take away so thanks so much for your time today that was really excellent and um for everyone watching thank you and for everyone listening thank you um you can catch up on any of our serious social episodes again on youtube or facebook as a video we also have a podcast which is exactly the same recording so if you prefer audio, go and listen to that pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts from. Um, and then join us again next week. Katie has a guest with her. So we're all about the guest life at the moment. Um, and in the meantime, have a great weekend. Thanks, everyone. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you. Bye. If you're after more know-how to break the social boring, subscribe now and check out the show notes for links to our website and social profiles.